0: the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information, and Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, December 20th, we are studying the hymn, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. That's hymn number 352 in Lutheran's service book. This hymn by Heinrich Held helps us to praise God as the one who has been faithful and true to keep all of his promises. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Daniel Golden. Pastor Golden serves at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Pastor Golden, welcome back to
1: Sharper Iron. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me.
0: Glad to have you with us today, Pastor Golden. It's a wonderful day to spend some time looking at this wonderful Advent hymn, to consider the blessings of the season of Advent. As we think about this hymn today, tell us just a little bit about the season of Advent in general, why you think it's important for the the life of the Christian Church and the individual Christian.
1: Yes, certainly. Um, In Advent, we certainly learn of the coming of the Lord, and the way I like to think of it, because we have uh, different readings that take us through different directions through the season of Advent or the coming of the Lord, is in past, present, and future. Um, we hear about how the Lord has come to us in the past, even in Old Testament times, and we learn again in New Testament times in the past how the Lord has uh, faithfully come to us. We learn about in the present time of how the Lord comes to us in word and sacrament, and we learn about the future time when the Lord will will come again, as he has promised. And the Lord comes as he has promised, is it's kind of leading us into this hymn today, certainly. Um, now, of course, this all culminates with the Incarnation, and this culminates at Christmas. The Incarnation, you know, being conceived by the Holy Spirit nine months prior— but at Christmas, the culmination of Advent, the coming of Christ, we we behold the flesh. The, the flesh is uh, dwells amongst us. Now, this is good news. Christmas is gospel. I think that's ever so important. Um, and, you know, many, many Christians see it as good tidings of great joy, as it is said. Um, but for many people during Christmas, it might not always feel like the gospel it might be that first or second or even 20th christmas without that spouse without that sibling or even without that child that they'd celebrated christmas as before but you know even even for them who uh may not feel like rocking around the christmas tree at christmas even for them christ comes christ comes and uh it 's up to it 's up to us to proclaim that as good news and why it 's good news for them and Christmas comes yeah like it or not, want it or not because God knows you need it
0: I appreciate what you said about those who you know may not always feel the glad tidings of this season it the morning is often so acute during these times of of celebration. For those whose loved ones have died and so to have the the hope of the christian faith at this time is such a wonderful comfort and what i really appreciate about advent hymns you know when you don't feel like rocking around the christmas tree and those you know secular songs that you hear on the radio that have the the good feelings attached to them when they just don't make you feel all that great we have these beautiful hymns of the church that give us the true hope that is ours in christ the one that we have today that that The Lord keeps his promises, what he promised to the fathers of old, he has done. And so we have the confidence that he will keep the promises that he makes to us as well. And so I I love the season of Advent for that reason, because it it reminds us of that hope during a time of year that sometimes the, the hopelessness could be overwhelming. Here's the real hope that we have in Christ. And so what a joy it is to proclaim that both in word and in song as we get to look at hymns today. Pastor Golden, what's your favorite Advent hymn?
1: You know we're only one page away from it today, and that's three fifty three. Jesus came, the heavens adoring. Okay, um,
0: now tell me, tell me why? Because as it turns out, we're not going to get to look at this one on sharper iron. We didn't have enough days of sharper iron during Advent to look at every single hymn. So since uh, we're not going to get to look at three fifty three, give give
1: me a little bit of reason why. Well, I, I, I like uh, well the, the beginning of the stanzas. Uh, Jesus came, Jesus comes, Jesus comes, Jesus comes. Um, and and then it repeats in the stanza, of course, and then we get to say hallelujah in it. Um, but especially you know, that the fourth stanza in there, uh, Jesus comes in joy and sorrow, shares alike our hopes and fears. Jesus comes, whatever, whatever befalls us. So it it kind of, it's a no matter what, Christ comes, Christ comes to you. Wherever, whatever your spiritual condition might be, whether it be of um, joy and peace or whether it be of unrest and anxiety, um, he comes to cheer your heart and dry your tears.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic news there in hymn number 353, Jesus Came the Heavens Adoring. We've been talking about favorite Advent hymns all along during this series, and I've been asking you, dear listener, to send email in, and we've gotten some feedback, which I really appreciate. Jesse in Omaha, Nebraska says that his favorite Advent hymn is The Night Will Soon Be Ending, particularly the fifth stanza he's been meditating upon and thinking about and rejoicing in that hymn. And Melissa from Atchison, Kansas, or at least that area of Northeast Kansas, uh, writes that her favorites are the Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came and Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates. And she appreciates as a church organist that the melody of lift up your heads it may be a bit tricky but it does just come out in that final word of praise so thank you dear listeners for participating in this series with us for sending in your favorite advent hymns it has been a joy to go through these advent hymns with you and keep singing them keep singing and praising our lord jesus christ who comes as pastor golden says past present and future so pastor golden today we have the opportunity to look at hymn number 352 let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. Is there any background on this hymn text or thoughts on the hymn as a whole that you'd like to share with us before we jump into individual stanzas?
1: Yeah, you know, I was looking through the uh, hymn selection guide, and it, it rightly points out that this hymn is appointed for Christmas Eve. Uh, it's right at that culmination of the promise. Um, as the forefathers promised and um, the Lord, who has truly kept His word, and and even fitting in with the Christmas Eve readings in Isaiah seven, um, even when Ahaz did did not want to ask for a sign, uh, the Lord comes anyway with a sign, um, and and the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, um, and of course this is fulfilled in the Matthew. Reading that night, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. So, uh, the culmination of the promise coming um, is really capitalized in this, uh, in
0: this hymn. And for that reason, we praise the Lord, a hymn of, of joy here from the very beginning. So, let's jump in. Again, this is hymn number 352 in Lutheran service book, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. Here is stanza one Let the earth now praise the Lord who has truly kept his word and at last to us did send Christ the sinner's help and friend. That's stanza one of the hymn, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. All right, Pastor Golden, take us into that very first line, let the earth now praise the Lord. Why why should everyone, why should the
1: whole earth praise the Lord? Well, certainly uh, heaven has announced it, and God comes to us from heaven on earth, um, but I also think uh, I also think of when is it um, as the first line really capitalizes on that. Now it, it's not um, it, it's not we praise the Lord two thousand years ago. We'll praise the Lord when He comes again. But let the earth now praise the Lord. All of creation, because of this promise kept, all of creation uh, can be reconciled to its Creator.
0: So, yeah, the and God now. is faithful to
1: all mankind. Oh,
0: sorry, keep going, Pastor Golden. I missed that.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, God is faithful to all mankind. Um, it's not, let the elect praise the Lord, or let, yes. let this person or that person praise the Lord. It's, let the entire earth now um, praise the Lord, because he's mm. kept his word.
0: I appreciate you bringing out a couple of things there. One, that you know it is the earth that praises the Lord. So that includes all of creation. I mean, think about in the Psalms where the, the hills and the trees are clapping hands and everyone, all creation is shouting for joy, that that's included. And then this means all humanity is to praise the Lord because his faithfulness to his promises isn't just for the elect. It is for all people. And so all creation, all, all people are are called upon to praise the Lord, and to do so now. I, I, I'm glad you emphasized that, because one of the, I guess, the tendencies that I have during the season of Advent is to sort of imagine these hymns being sung by the saints of old. You know, And this hymn is going to mention some of the saints of old. We're going to talk about Abraham and Jacob in a bit. And so sometimes I, I picture this hymn being you know sung by those who are experiencing the promise being fulfilled for the first time at the birth of Jesus and the, the saints of old singing it. But it's not just that. And we, we have talked about this in previous hymns, but I guess it's just a, one of those things that it, sometimes it's a habit that's hard to break. This isn't Advent, isn't just, you know, putting yourself back in time in their shoes, you know, imagining what it was like to wait and then being surprised and, and wondered at, at the fulfillment of the promise. But actually it's the praising of the Lord that happens now for us in the present as we continue to experience God fulfilling his promises to us, of being true to what he said to us, so that the now is a, is a really important part of this first line.
1: Yeah, you don't have to say, I wish I was there when it happened. Um, that's That's not necessary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So let the earth now praise the Lord. And the reason given in the hymn is that he has truly kept his word. Talk about the, this is an important theme, I think, in this hymn. Talk about the faithfulness of God to keep his word.
1: Yeah, the promise of the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ has been promised as early from Genesis, and and we'll even see that in the next stanzas as well. Um, But the word being fulfilled Filled also means the word becoming flesh. Uh, God is a faithful God who has kept his word, will keep his word, and always keeps his word.
0: So God is faithful to his word. He always keeps it. This is a, a particular theme in this hymn. Now, in the first stanza, the word that he kept is at last to us did send Christ, the sinner's help and friend. So the, the hymn focuses our attention particularly on the faithfulness of God in sending the Christ. Uh, talk about, let's talk, just there's a, a phrase in that third line that maybe you could skip over, but I think it's worth at least a few minutes. And at last to us did send. Talk about the at last of send, the sending yeah, of the this Christ.
1: Yeah, is, this is the cry of the faithful. Oh Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, how long do we have to wait? Um, and uh, the cry of the faithful, now cry out. It's, it's, now here it is, at last. No longer do we say, how long before you send us a Savior? How long before you send us the one to stomp out the serpent's head? Um, now it's here.
0: That's right, yeah. So at last, I, I, I remind, I'm reminded of, the passage from Galatians 4, where Paul says that at the, when the fullness of time had come, at just the right time, at last the Lord sent his Son. That's what this stanza is proclaiming to us. And at last it sent Christ. So we can talk about the title Christ, and then why he's called both the sinner's help
1: and friend. Yeah, yeah, this is, I, 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 love, I love looking into this because, um, well, who in the world wants to help a sinner? Uh, who, who in the world also wants to be a, a sinner's friend? Um, we who sin against each other so much, we, we learn throughout our lives, um, throughout many different Advents and Christmas seasons, that helpers abandon you. You abandon others. Um, friends also abandon you. As a sinner, um, you are abandoned by other sinners. So Christ, being the sinner's help and friend, is an answer to the resulting loneliness. Um, now now let's think about, too, what does a friend do? Well, a friend listens to you. A friend listens to you when you speak to them. Um, a friend also replies. A friend has compassion, quite literally feels what you feel. Uh, when your guts turn, his guts turn. Um, and a good friend will also set you straight, right? It, it's not just about what you want to hear, but a good friend tells you what you, what you need to hear. Um, that's, uh, that's the good news of a sinner's helping friend um, coming in Christ. You know, um, and there may be others that don't even want help, or, or they don't even want to sign. Uh, Ahaz certainly didn't want to sign but the Lord offers one anyway. A good friend gives you help anyway. And as sinners, we need help. <laughs> we need friends. Um, and, and, and there's there's really no better help and friend for a sinner than Jesus Christ, who removes uh, the sin away.
0: Yeah, and, and this is what makes this this is what makes it good news is that Christ comes as our help and our friend, even for us sinners, those whom others might, you know, I mean, how do we treat those who would sin against us? So often we reject them. We say, I'm, that's enough of that. I'm done with you. Instead, Christ comes as our help as our friend and he comes specifically for sinners. I, I'm reminded of his, many interactions with the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders who often are not happy that Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, this is who I came to help. I came for sinners because the righteous, if, if you're righteous, then you don't need my help, Jesus would say. But if you're a sinner, and I hope you are, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for you. you know, I mean, this is, this is what makes it good news.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look now at stanza two. What the fathers most desired, what the prophet's heart inspired, what they longed for many a year stands fulfilled in glory here. That is stanza two of the hymn, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. All right, so here in this stanza, Pastor Golden, we start, thinking, we start thinking about those who came before the saints in the Old Testament. We talk about the fathers, the prophets. Uh, let's talk about the fathers desiring. What, what is, what's going on in this stanza? Um,
1: what the fathers most desired was uh, deliverance, uh, redemption into the promised land. They wanted to, to dwell with God, um, to dwell with God fully. Um, to be able to be to stand in his presence um, is, is not a sinner. Um, and they wanted a, a reward. And I know we're jumping into stanza three, but stanzas two and three really do uh, tie into a lot to each other here.
0: Yeah, they do. They certainly do. Because in, in stanza three, we're going to get some specific mention of some of these people that are, are desiring and receiving the help. You know, what the father's most desired uh, at least in, in my mind, I actually go to the very beginning of the New Testament, and uh, St. Simeon, I think, is a good example of someone who's desiring, who's looking forward to the coming of the Christ, and you see that desire, and then when, when the fulfillment is there, the joy that he has to, to see it. Uh, what about the prophet's heart inspired in the next line?
1: Um, what the prophet's heart inspired um, is, gosh, we can see the lines of prophets and we can see the line of fathers too. Uh, I can't help but think about the culmination of this in the uh, first chapter of Matthew, the book of the, and it starts out the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Um, And the prophets hearts were inspired by the word of the Lord that came to them in which they were told to repeat. And, um, I also think this too. I guess more personally, for pastors, uh, pastors are uh, permeating over the Word of the Lord and repeating the Word of the Lord, uh, and it also inspires. It inspires me. Um, it inspires me to, uh, in my faith, to look forward to that promise coming. Um, it makes me long for what, at last, to us will be sent.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, in fact we were I appreciate you saying that about, you know, the way that this works on pastors too. We were actually singing this hymn last night as a part of our our family devotions. My wife was playing the piano and as I was singing along throughout the whole hymn. I mean, just every stanza as I sung it built that longing in me for Christ to come. You know, I mean, just it's it's wonderful how the Lord's word works on all of us, pastors included through the the readings and the hymns of Advent to help us long for and to look for in hopeful expectation for that resurrection on the last day, And certainly that's what the the fathers and the prophets were looking for in the Old Testament. What they longed for, for many a year, stands fulfilled in glory here. Take us into those last two lines of that stanza.
1: Yeah, I think this uh, this actually ties back to the first stanza of Let the Earth. Now, in the first stanza, we kind of answered the question. You know, when is it? You know, it's now. It, you know, he has been sent. The second stanza, stands fulfilled in glory here, answers the question, where is it? You know, if you if you missed it in the first, it, it's all of the earth and it's here. Stands fulfilled in glory here. Um, heaven has come down on earth in the form of uh, um, in the form of man, but yet not a sinner.
0: Well, so what they long for stands fulfilled in glory here, as I was reading it just a moment ago, what really struck me is the, the glory aspect of it, because stands fulfilled in glory here. When you think about what we're preparing to celebrate in just a couple of days at Christmas, we're talking about a poor baby who's going to be laid in a manger that doesn't look all that glorious. And yet, here in that child, in that baby, that is the fullness of God's glory, right there for all to behold. Talk about that—the the what seems to us yes. the backward nature of glory that we see on Christmas.
1: Yeah, it's it's not in a way that is uh, satisfactory to mankind. It's not satisfactory to the to the ways of this world um, for something to for a king to come so lowly. Now, when I think of glory, though, a lot of times when we think of glory, we associate it with a bright light or even uh, a sun shining through the clouds or something, and we think of a visual with glory. But glory is just not about what we behold with our eyes. Glory is also um, has an action attached to it. So, what glory is in the form of Jesus Christ is also what glory will do for the life of the entire world. Um, A glorious God takes action to to reconcile and to redeem um, in the form of a little tiny baby infant. Um, Never a way that we would expect. But, you know, um, our minds must be set on the things of God and not on the things of man.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. That so that glory isn't only something that we just look at and gaze upon in wonder and awe, but we actually see how God does something in His glory. You know, and that's what th- this stanza brings to mind: the Christmas gospel reading from John chapter one, where Saint John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But again, how do you see that glory? It's by what Christ comes to do. And you know, particularly in John's gospel, to see Christ's glory is to see him crucified, to see him raised up on the cross to draw all men to himself, so that by that death he brings salvation to, to sinners. I mean, there's, there's glory, which again is not what we would expect when it comes to what would a glorious king do well, our glorious King dies on the cross for us, and that truly is His glory. And, and the, so the culmination that we're going to see at Christmas, of course, is going to push us forward into the whole ministry of Christ to show to see how that glory is revealed in all His ministry, even in the most humbling of ways.
1: Yeah, and that, that glory, um, I think of the Hebrew word kavod, for for glory it's got a heaviness to it um and, and full glory is is an infinite heaviness and by heaviness i mean it, it it's got worth um and that worth that heaviness that full glory of god um is the only thing that can balance the scales in our favor
0: yeah the the great worth of what christ has done by his incarnation by his birth By his death, resurrection, ascension, and his coming again in glory on on that day when glory will not be mistakable at all, that has great worth for us sinners. That's what this hymn is proclaiming to us. We need to take our break here on Sharper Iron. We're talking to Pastor Dan Golden this morning about hymn number 352, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. We will be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, December 20th. We are studying the hymn, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. It's number 352 in Lutheran Service Book. Our guest this morning is Pastor Daniel Golden. He serves at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Pastor Golden, prior to the break, we looked at stanzas one and two. Now we turn to stanza three. Abram's promised great reward, Zion's helper, Jacob's Lord. Him of twofold race, behold, truly came as long foretold. Stanza three of Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. All right, so Pastor Golden, take us into that first line, Abram's, Abraham's promised great reward.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, This certainly calls up uh, Genesis 15, verses 1 and 2. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Um, in this in the first verse we wonder well what what is the reward um, that Abram may be thinking about? Um for the Lord says your reward shall be very great. Um and this is partially has to do with uh, inheritance. Now, inheritance isn't always; uh, it, it's it's not relating to financial riches and wealth and power and, and fortune. Um, and that next that second verse gives us the the clue of that. For I continue childless. The reward that Abram um, shall receive, and as is promised, um, is is many nations, the many sons of. Um, Abram's future being Abraham um and, and this is what is uh culminated in the promise of Jesus Christ which comes out in that uh the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham uh, the reward will end the reward will end in a savior and it will come through um many lines through the genealogy and it even comes through barren wombs and finally it will come through in a virgin womb.
0: So when we refer to Christ Jesus as Abraham's promised great reward we're recalling this promise that God makes to Abram on multiple occasions. You know you you mentioned the text there in Genesis 15 which is where you get that language of reward very specifically but you know you can go into Genesis 12 where the Lord initially calls Abraham and forward into to the rest of Abraham's narrative in the book of Genesis, and over and over again, the Lord promises Abram that this child will come to him, and certainly that child comes. But all of that pointing forward, then ultimately to Jesus Christ, as you said, Matthew announces that Jesus is that son of Abraham, the one that would bring blessing to all families of the earth. So that, the, and that's a, I think an important point to to remember here in verse three, that Abram's promised great reward is not just for abraham and not just for the family that can trace their genealogy back to him you know via bloodline but it's for all the people of of faith as paul would said you know i mean that's and that verse there at the end of that text in genesis 15 verse 6 where the lord credits abram's faith as righteousness that means that this promised great reward to abram is for all people who put their trust in christ jesus including you and me there's that present tense of advent again
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So we've got Abram's promised great reward. Then in the there's two in the next line. So talk to us about talk to us about Zion's helper.
1: Yeah, so Zion is the place where the Ark dwells. So, so therefore Zion is in Zion is also the place where God dwells. Um, and where God where God is, we have we have this help. Um this help is also part of the reward. Um, from Psalm 14, I think it's verse 7, oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. Uh, Zion is the place where God dwells, and in this promised great reward, Zion's helper, is where God is coming to dwell in the flesh with his people, with with Zion.
0: So with that reference to Psalm 14, verse 7, which is one that I had, had seen as well, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, again, means that Zion's helper, Christ Jesus, isn't just the helper for Zion, but the one who comes from Zion to help Zion, of course, but also all mankind again, I, which that that brought to my mind that passage from Isaiah chapter 2, where the prophet sees this, it does, I don't think he names Zion there specifically, but he's talking, yeah, he does, out of Zion shall go the law. So it, in Isaiah 2, he talks about the mountain of the house of the Lord being raised up and drawing all people to it, right? So that the, the help comes from Zion as well. It's not just that Jesus helps Zion. Certainly he does help the people of Jerusalem and, and the people of Israel, but he comes from Zion to help all people. And here again, we have that language of helper, which we talked about in stanza one. The sinner's help and friend. Here, he is Zion's helper. What about Jacob's Lord?
1: Yeah. Now, it, it, Zion's helper certainly speaks to the divinity of the help. Um, then, of course, uh, mm. Jacob's Lord can talk. Certainly, speaks to the humanity. Um, the man whom uh, the man whom, whom wrestled. Um, when, and then that brings up the second half of Psalm 14.7 14, 14, as well. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob re- rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Um, so we have a little introduction, I see, to the twofold race line um, coming up. We've got a, a divine God. that The help comes from the actual source where God dwells. And um this
0: will come in the form of a man, Jacob's Lord. Mm, right. So okay, and with Jacob's Lord, then you're you're particularly referencing the account in Genesis thirty two where Jacob spends the the night wrestling with that mysterious figure who turns out to be the Lord. But I, sure. I think that's a that's a great account to bring up in this context because there you see how you know, the Lord, even in that wrestling, blesses Jacob such that it's, you know, it's, it's a strange encounter to be sure, but it is one that ends with blessing for Jacob. And and that blessing then for Jacob, so Jacob's Lord comes in fulfillment in this one who has come at Christmas, who is born for us at Christmas. And here he's called him of twofold grace behold. So talk about this, the two natures in Christ. Yeah, it's a very Christ. peculiar
1: way. Uh, it's a very peculiar way to talk about the uh, the natures of Christ um, as a twofold race. And I was looking at the original uh, German translation from Heinrich Held, and, and it's also the champion of two origins. The champion of two two origins. And, and I didn't see this until I, I had studied it. But looking at Zion's helper and Jacob's lord goes into this twofold race, the champion of, of two or, origins. So part of this promised great reward um, in God's faithfulness, in the coming of Jesus Christ, is a duality. Uh, the duality of Christ is part of, of the reward. And this is exactly how he can be um, the parishioner, the sinner, my, for me, he can be my. Help and friend, because he comes from the source uh, of divinity, because he is divinity, and he's also a man. Um, It's so the duality of Christ is certainly part of the the rewarding, Um, and we have this. Behold again, And, and behold is not just done with our eyes. You know, when we behold glory, or when we behold Jesus Christ, beholding is is all-encompassing of the senses. It's it's especially what we hear in His Word.
0: So we have, again, this hymn of twofold race, Behold, that Christ is both fully God and fully man at the same time, and He is the one who truly came as long foretold. There, yet again, the hymn emphasizes the truth of God's Word, that he does what he says, and he's certainly done that by sending Christ, the one who is God and man, for us sinners.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, it, it's uh, it's a nice way of uh, it's the nicest way of saying I told you so. I suppose that um, <laughs> just as God's word said, God's word did, and God's word promised and delivered.
0: All right, so let's turn now to stanza four. As your coming was in peace, quiet, full of gentleness, let the same mind dwell in me, which is yours eternally. That's stanza four of the hymn, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. Okay, so as your coming was in peace, quiet, full of gentleness, what's what's being spoken about Christ in those first two lines of this stanza?
1: Well, this begins to answer the question: What's what's the nature of this coming of God in the flesh? What's the nature of the this coming of God as a a, a baby? Um, the coming of the reward. Uh, well, His nature is one of humiliation. Um, his one is a nature of becoming one of us, um, retaining yet all divine power. Um, And knowledge, but yet quiet and full of gentleness. Um, You know, I remember mentioning in the in the sermon yesterday. um, I I called out the children in the sermon, uh, and I asked them if they were if they remembered being born as a baby. And of course, they don't. But then I reminded them that Jesus was born a baby too, just like one of them. Um, His coming was in peace. Um, as as ours was. It came in a, in a state of humiliation that is completely dependent upon other people to care for. Uh, you know, he trusted through the faith of Mary and Joseph to, um, to raise him, to nurture him. Um, and, and that's something that we would not expect from a king. We would not expect from a, a king to be born as a child. We would expect a king to be to come to us as a man on a stallion of war, um, rather than ride, in, rather than eventually ride into Jerusalem on a donkey and a lowly colt. Mm,
0: right. Yeah. The way we started the season of Advent, thinking about our Lord's coming into Jerusalem as a humble King, riding on a donkey, certainly fits in with this stanza four, as well as what you're saying about the incarnation and the birth of Christ, and even you know thinking about Him as a King. Here in in Godfrey, we're studying the gospel according to St. Matthew, and we're going to be looking very soon at Matthew chapter 2, where the Magi come to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. And there's quite a contrast in that text between King Herod and the way he behaves and King Jesus and the way that he acts. And you see, among other things in that text, how Jesus does come as a king in peace, quiet, full of gentleness— uh, willing to to suffer on behalf of his people, willing to uh, bear the anger of a, of a wrathful king so that he might be our true king, the prince of peace, to use the language from, from this stanza, quiet, full of gentleness. Certainly we see this throughout our Lord's ministry when he comes to save us. Now, the the way that this stanza uses that is then in a prayer, let the same mind dwell in me which is yours eternally. So talk about the, the prayer then that's based upon the way that our Lord came to us in peace.
1: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a prayer of asking for the nature that we wish for, you know, what, what nature do we wish for? We ask for a humble nature, a nature of humiliation. We ask for his nation, his nature, um, we ask to have this mind among ourselves, um, just as Jesus Christ, and this is from Philippians 2, um, in verses 5 through 8, having this mind among ourselves, this nature we wish for, even though Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, that we, would we take such uh, a humili- a, uh, an approach of humility in our spiritual life, um, in our physical life, in our Christian life, is what we would pray for. Uh, because a, a humble mind loves God, and a humble mind loves others loves others. An exalted mind more, tends more to love themselves. Um, so we want that same mind of humility to to dwell in us, and, and we confess in prayer it is His forever and ever.
0: Mm. This last line of stanza four struck me, particularly in the season of Advent, because it's not you, know, you, you read from Philippians, 2, which is a text that I normally associate with Holy Week and thinking about the humiliation of Christ there. But to hear it in the season of Advent, I, I really appreciate because at least as i 've been you know singing the hymns of Advent and hearing the the readings from Holy Scripture, I, I tend to think a lot about you know preparing my heart to receive Jesus, certainly in humility. I mean a lot of the hymns have prayed for exactly that Lord, make my heart humble so that I can receive you in the right way but i don't always take the next step and start thinking about okay well what does that now mean for the way i treat my neighbor and so i I really appreciate that this hymn brings that out specifically you know that as christ had the the mind of peace and quietness and gentleness now let that mind dwell in me also certainly in in my approach to receiving christ as lord but also toward my neighbor as St. Paul makes plain in Philippians 2. So I, I really, I appreciate that about this hymn, because it's not something that I, I guess I think about quite as often with the season of Advent. But now that this hymn brings it up, it's like, well, of course I should be thinking about that too, that the humility to receive Christ also then would extend to the way I, I treat my neighbor.
1: It's certainly, certainly. Um, humiliation has a lot of value, but and we have to be careful. The moment that we try to be humble, that's right. Um, we are not no more humble than you. <laughs> so we have to learn to be content. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. All right. So that stanza four, the prayer from Philippians chapter two, now stanza five. Bruise for me the serpent's head, that set free from doubt and dread, I may cling to you in faith safely kept through life and death. That is stanza five with him. Let the earth now praise the Lord. All right. Bruise for me, the serpent's head. What's the scriptural
1: background? Oh, that, that's the first gospel of the, of the Bible. Genesis three fifteen. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, certainly, um, the very first promise of the gospel, of the coming of Jesus Christ, of the defeat of Satan, the defeat of the serpent, um, is how the promise is kept. And that's the, que- that's the question that's answered here. I find it interesting that Heinrich Held, as a, as a poet here, um, asked for Jesus to do this in the present. Um, Because, you know, when we think about the bruising of the serpent's head, you're like, oh, yeah, that was done. That was done on the cross. Um, But Satan still battles us daily. And it is a continued petition um, to ask Jesus to um, quell um, what Satan is trying to do in our lives right now. Um, And that is put doubt and dread in us. um, And, of course, to uh, weaken our faith. And I think that's what the stanza really gets
0: into. Yeah, I, that struck me as well, that it is a, a prayer for Christ to do this now, bruise the serpent's head now, not something like, you know, you have bruised for me the serpent's head, but do this still today. And so you, you brought up the certainly the background from Genesis 3 and that Christ has accomplished that on the cross. My mind also went to the end of uh, the letter to the Romans. In Romans 16, verse 20, Saint Paul writes there that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So that, you know, the, the prayer that Heinrich Held offers for us to sing here is quite appropriate as as you're pointing out, you know, Saint Paul even says God's going to crush Satan under your feet very soon. And so because right now we know that the devil is a, a roaring lion if we use it, a different image from scripture, he's seeking to devour us. And so the necessity for us to, to pray that Christ would do exactly this uh, is, is so important. You yeah. know I mean, I, I think we could connect this to the, the small catechism on the Lord's Prayer, particularly the sixth and the seventh petitions that God would not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that he would, you know, prevent the devil from, from doing what he wants to lead us into, to doubt and dread. That's always struck me in the sixth petition, particularly, you know, what, what would the devil like for us to do? You know, well, the first things are false belief and despair, and then the other great shame and vice. And and here, you know, Heinrich held, he, it's like, he's echoing Luther's explanation there to the, the sixth petition. Satan would love to, bring me into doubt and to dread. Lord, protect me from that. Defeat Satan.
1: Yeah, and I, d- I didn't think of this until now, but it's also in our litany. Um, we pray the litany on Wednesdays in Lent here, and, and I think my favorite line in the entire litany is uh, to beat down Satan under our feet. Um, and that certainly ties to this petition as well. That petition is this petition.
0: So, bruise for me the serpent's head, that set free from doubt and dread. This is the the prayer that we offer regularly in the Lord's Prayer, and then we continue in the prayer, that I may cling to you in faith, safely kept through life and death. Talk about the... So, we want protection from the devil for this purpose. Talk about the purpose that's laid out in the second part of this stanza. Yeah,
1: in these promises, uh, in in these promises we've in this hymn, we've answered a lot of questions: of when is it, where is it, how is it done, what is the reward, what nature sh- shall we pray for, and how is the promise kept? Now we, now we kind of uh, we we get to the question of the sinful self, and that's uh, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, and uh, this is what's done completely for you, and with, you know, without your without your deeds, that you are safely kept. Through life and death, and um, uh, how are you kept safe in death? Well, death is not the end, certainly. Um, and to be safely kept is also to be guarded. Um, he guards us not just in death I and mean, when we take our last breath on this earth, but he guards us every day. He sustains us. He feeds us. Uh, he feeds our souls with the Word. He feeds our souls with the sacrament. Uh, just as He uh, provides everything for us.
0: Mm. So that we would cling to Him in faith, safely kept through life and death. And then stanza six is going to take us forward. You mentioned at the beginning that Advent has the past, the present, and the future. We've seen all of that in this hymn, and now we particularly see the future in stanza six. Then when you will come again as the glorious King to reign, I with joy will see your face freely ransomed by your grace. That is stanza six of the hymn, Let the earth now praise the Lord. Right, so Pastor Golden, take us into those first two lines of this stanza that speak about Christ coming again, his, his future coming on the last day. What are, we, what are we talking about in those first two lines?
1: Well, he's a, he's a current king, and he's going to reign over all the earth. Uh, almost coming full circle um, to the first prompt to the promises in the first stanza in other words there's a there's another promise of coming and another promise is coming and we should know we should know because we believe through faith um, by his grace that he's kept all these promises in pras- past and present um, it's not a matter of Lord, when you will come again, um, as we see in the standard, of ben, when you will come again, there's a certainty to it. Um, and uh, it, even though he, is, he has come to, uh, well, I'll read Matthew twenty twenty eight. even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to go and, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That, that's what he did in the, the current coming, and then Jesus says himself in John fourteen three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. So in this reign, the glorious King is going to um, do as glory does when he comes back to when he comes back in full glory to this earth. Uh, to take us home, well, those who those who in faith know know and believe and know He is King um, will be taken home, and even those who don't believe He is King will know that He is King. There is such a certainty and hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ that is um, that that really only Scripture can um, bring out the fullness of.
0: Mm, that's that's right. Talk about the last two lines now. I with joy will see your face, freely ransomed by your grace. You know, uh, we're, you you mentioned the the nature of Christ coming. That you know, for unbelievers, that's not necessarily going to be the day of joy. But for Christians, there is great joy. Talk about the joy that is ours, looking forward to this last day, and the joy that will be fulfilled on that day.
1: Well. Uh... Christ, the sinner's help and friend, will come to help the sinner Uh, being ransomed by his gifts. We are bought back, Um, and and the forgiveness of sins ends up as a complete reconciliation of Creator and creation. And to understand that this Creator is made of pure love, Um, how can we not smile? How can we not be joyful? How can, how can every tear not be wiped away from our face? Um, when, we, when we once again uh, see the full light and glory of uh, Jesus Christ with our own eyes. Um, it, it is an absolute gift for this second coming of Christ to come, to be uh, reconciled in a great reunion um, that, that will last forever.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we were talking earlier about the the longing and the the joy that pastors know and and feel during the season of Advent. And this stanza in particular is is what, what got me as I was singing it last night, you know, thinking about the joy of seeing Christ's face. You know, how our, our benediction on Sunday morning often ends with the Lord you know, lifting his countenance upon us, his, he makes his face to shine upon us. And we we know that joy now through word and sacraments, but on the last day to see Christ face to face, just as the apostles saw him after his resurrection, boy, what what joy will be ours on that day. And that is what we long for and look for as Christians. Pastor Daniel Golden is pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Parkersburg, West Virginia, helping us today to look at hymn number 352 in Lutheran Service Book, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord. Pastor Golden, thanks for being our guest today.
1: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions for us, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.